1: All right, everybody, welcome to another edition of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen, and I am your host, Brett Jensen, and thanks for joining us. Got a lot we're going to be talking about today, including things that happened during this wild and crazy North Carolina District 9 congressional race when I had to spend a week up in Raleigh listening to all the testimony and talking to all the major parties involved. Also got a great interview with Jeannie Francis. Now you may not know her by name, but you definitely know her character. She is Laura from the famed Luke and Laura duo from General Hospital. Was extremely iconic all through the 80s and 90s. One of the most famous women on the planet during that time. We're fortunate to have her join us where we talk about the crazy moments when her character was getting married on General Hospital and 30 million people tuned in to watch that live. It was an insane event. And it's still listed as one of the most iconic and memorable moments in TV history. So Jeannie Francis, Laura of the Luke and Laura fame on General Hospital will be joining us. And we're also going to talk about Valentine's Day and all the expectations and all the craziness that comes with Valentine's Day. Men have a lot of pressure on Valentine's Day, but a new study shows that men expect just as much as they give. But in reality, it doesn't even come close to the amount of money men spend on Valentine's Day versus women. So we're going to talk about all that stuff and all these new studies that just came out about Valentine's Day. But first, I'm going to tell you some of the wild things that happened while I was in Raleigh for a week for this North Carolina Congressional District 9 hearing. It was a wild, wild event. The New York Times was there. The New Yorker was there. CNN was there. NBC Nightly News was there. The Washington Post was there. Hordes and hordes of media have descended upon Raleigh because they wanted to see this craziness that was going on with North Carolina District 9 and Mark Harris and Dan McCready. And one of the moments that stood out to me happened behind the scenes, which is what part of this podcast is about, that you guys would never know about. Well, and it involved a national media outlet. It involved NBC's Nightly News. So the way the situation was set up is there's the hearing room and it looked exactly like a courtroom. So here it is on monday and everything is adjourned for lunch and then nbc nightly news for no explanation whatsoever decided hey we're going to try and interview mark harris during lunch that has never happened in the history of the planet nobody tries to interview someone during lunch in the middle of a hearing doesn't matter if it's a trial or whatever but to make matters worse they tried to do it in the actual hearing room so they tried to had this big huge boom mic A boom mic is one of those things that maybe you've seen on TV or in movies. Some guy holds a long pole, and there's this very long microphone attached to the end of this long pole, and the microphone sort of looks like a dead squirrel or a dead gray cat, and it's called a boom mic. Well, they sat there and tried to interview him during a lunch break in the middle of the hearing room. Like, nobody does that. That is so highly unprofessional, it's not even funny. Again, CNN is there. The New Yorker is there. The New York Times is there. The Washington Post is there. And yet here's NBC Nightly News going, hey, we're just going to break protocol and try and interview Mark Harris in the middle of a lunch break. These clowns from NBC Nightly News decided that they were going to follow Mark Harris into the bathroom and try and talk to him in the bathroom. Are you freaking serious? The bathroom. NBC Nightly News. And people in the national media want to know why people dislike them so much. I got news for you. It's not just the regular citizens that dislike you. So many other media members dislike you because you do things just like that. Rush Limbaugh, like him or hate him, it doesn't matter. He has a term that I think is apropos to national media. He calls them drive-by media. It's because they never really stop for long enough to actually figure out what the heck is going on. They come in. They slow down, they get what they want, they leave all kinds of carnage in their wake, and then they get the hell out of town. They just parachute in and immediately vacate the premises once they get whatever little story that they want. Well, that's exactly what NBC Nightly News did here. Now, granted, they were there all week, but because of all the stupidity that NBC Nightly News did, the rest of the week, the media had to use the bathroom downstairs a couple flights just because we weren't allowed to go in the bathrooms anymore because of what NBC Nightly News did. It was unbelievable. And there were actually interesting things that actually happened in the bathroom. This is a true story. That Monday during a break, I go into the bathroom. And it's set up with like two or three urinals and two or three stalls. Well, I go to wash my hands. And Mark Harris walks in and goes to the urinal. Seconds later, Mark Elias, the big-time, powerful national attorney for Dan McCready, he walks in and he uses the urinal right beside Mark Harris. So here are these two foes using the bathroom side by side during a break. And then I hear Mark Elias say to Mark Harris, oh, how's it going, Mark? And then without missing a beat, Mark Harris goes, oh, not bad, things all right with you? And it was everything I could do not to laugh because here are these two guys looking straight ahead, there were no wandering eyes, looking straight ahead at the wall in a bitter, bitter fight about the election and they're just exchanging pleasantries in a urinal. I thought it was kind of funny. Kind of surreal. But no, thanks to NBC Nightly News, that situation was gone. And again, I don't need to be hanging out in the bathroom to try and figure out what's going on. But I just thought it was one of those moments that was actually kind of funny. And now that opportunity was gone because of those clowns at NBC Nightly News. Again, this is something that you guys would never hear about, and maybe you don't care, but I just think it's kind of funny how somebody like that, who thought, oh, we're NBC Nightly News, we're national, and they come in and they just screw everything up for everybody. Anyways, that's a story I thought you might enjoy. It's amazing that I was doing a lot of research on you leading up to this. It's just trying to get a lot of your background information information. And I saw a couple of interviews that you had done several years ago and that how you said alcohol was really never an issue, but eating was always an issue for you. Was that because it was just your own self, you know, the way you said, "Okay, I need to lose 40 pounds Or, or was it something that TV executives said, hey, you know, it's in the 80s, it's the 90s, whatever. You need to lose a lot of weight. Like, was that your sense or was it their sense?
2: Uh, well, when I started as a young kid, I, I was only 14 years old, and it was shortly after they hired me, um, they decided to put the character of Laura on a diet, which, you know, I, at 14, can you imagine girls that age are so freaked out about what they look like, and to have that done in a national way,
0: <laughs> right.
2: it was it really messed with my head, and it began a whole uh, behavior of... Uh, stuffing and starving and crazy diets and um, I just never ate normally. I mean never. And uh, eventually that had to stop. I, it's, it's You know, my weight and dealing with it has been the most painful thing in my life. No question. Hands down. I think it might have been less painful if I had not been an actress and in front of people all the time. But without question it's been the hardest thing for me and I guess I just got to a point and I hurt my metabolism with all the crazy things I did. So I chose Nutrisystem because it's uh, normal and because they taught me how to feed myself rather than starve myself and lose weight. So, um, And there are no bad foods on the program. (laughs) You eat anything. So um, it's reasonable and it's gentle.
1: What was your Um, weakness? Was it candy, cookies? Was it pasta? You know, the whole thing about carbs, like... What was your weakness uh, at this point when you started gaining the weight?
2: Okay, my weakness has always been one thing, sweets, and that's it. I don't overeat anything else, you know. I can eat the right portion of really any other food. Um, But sugar for me has always been an issue, and it's like um, it's a comfort thing. I swear to God, if I take a little teeny bite of sugar, if I'm feeling really tense, it's like I took a, a drug, it really works. It really calms me down. And they say that sugar actually works on the same part of your brain as heroin. So, you know, it's not to be taken lightly, you know. And when I'm really uh, feeling like if I've been in a bout of emotional eating, um, I really steer clear of sugar entirely for quite some time. And then, you know, you can have a little later on down the line. But basically, um, that's my downfall. It's my Everything else I eat well in proportion
1: talk with Jeannie Francis who played the iconic character Laura from the famed Luke and Laura on General Hospital all through the 80s and 90s and even started in the 70s so let me ask you this though okay so sugar's your downfall do you have a preference is it Oreos is it M&Ms like what's your preference or is it just all the above
2: jeez, <laughs> uh, oh, it's been so long <laughs> Uh, I'd say cookies were always an issue because, they, because they're so easy to, to to get. You know what I mean? It's a little bitable thing. So I'd say cookies more than anything else would be uh, a, a dangerous thing for me.
1: You talked about being a young girl starting out on General Hospital. I believe you were 13 or 14 years old when you first started. And I read a quote for you that really stood out for me. And it said that when you saw the Justin Bieber situation where he crashed this high school prom back in the day that instead of thinking oh my gosh this is weird or creepy you actually started crying because you watched it realizing he missed his high school prom because he's a star just like I got to, I didn't have to get to have my high school prom is that accurate right
2: well i guess Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's not just the prom. It's the the hunger to be with your peer group is so intense at that period of time that, um, you know, it's it's a very deep need. And show business kids who are celebrities are not getting that. You know, we're not having a normal upbringing. Uh, There are developmental steps that have to be taken all the way through, I think, even college years. So, you know, uh, it's just not a good way to go. My kids, I didn't put them on the stage whether they wanted it or not. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, what they choose to do in adulthood is fine. I will support them. But when they were young, no, not having it.
1: i right, talking to Jeannie Francis who played Laura on from Luke and Laura on General Hospital. And that moment when you named – so I didn't know this. I was, you know, in – You know, middle school or elementary school when you actually got married to Luke on the TV show in 1981. And I was looking at it, 30 million people watched that episode. Now, this is pre VCR for all the millennials listening. And so it was, I mean, 30 million people to watch that. I don't even know if 30 million people watched the Oscars the other night. I mean, that was like, it was iconic. And even TV Guide named it the 35th most uh, memorable moment in TV history. And you were a part of it. I mean, do you look back at it all these years later and go, what a whirlwind?
2: Uh, Yeah. I mean, actually, it's not something I think about. Um, The media is more concerned with that moment than I am. It's so many years ago, you know. Um, But the magnitude of it, it becomes clearer and clearer as time marches on because it continues to be talked about. So, um, yeah, at the time, I had no idea what a big deal it was. None at all. It just went completely over my head.
1: When did you realize that it was like, like you said, it was such a big deal? I mean, obviously, you know, you were very famous and it was in the newspapers and on the cover of People magazine and everything else. But was there that one signature moment when you went, oh, my gosh, this is out of control?
2: Mm. Um. Well, I, I, that particular year when it was really at its most popular, it was kind of scary because there were people who were actually trying to. Uh, stalk me or they'd, you know, come around to where I was living, try to look in the windows. There were parts of it that were scary, you know, visiting with my sister and they'd figure out it was me and she'd try to drive away and they threw their bodies on the car. I mean, there were there were times that it was just really like, okay, this is a little too much. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I mean, I, I, I guess I knew at that point that it was out of control a bit um but it's funny you know i don't think of these things i I don't think of them all anymore unless i'm being interviewed
1: (laughs) well all right well let's go to the opposite end. was was there a moment you went yeah okay i'm Ginny francis and you got in because you were Ginny francis or laura from general hospital whether it was studio 54 or whatever was going on back in the day was there a moment like okay yeah i had to pull the do you know who i am card
2: Uh, you know, I've tried really hard all my life not to pull that card. It's just, it's it's revolting. Who needs to do, it's just gross, right? Um, but I do remember thinking, oh my God, I must be really important. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> did your did your family? I do remember that. I can't remember what moment it was, but it, maybe it was the body falling under the cart. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like really? For me? You're kidding. <laughs> oh,
1: that's great. Talk about Jenny Francis, who played Laura from Luke and Laura, the famed duo from General Hospital, seventies, eighties, into the nineties, and now you're back with General Hospital, if I'm not mistaken. So that's uh, it's it's everything's like really coming full circle. I mean, you start as a thirteen year old, and now here you are back, some forty two years later.
2: Yes, and uh, I'm fortunate that I have that to go back to.
1: Did it take a lot of convincing, or were you eager?
2: Well, when they first called me back, my kids had just left for college, so I, w- I leapt on that opportunity to get out of the house and go back to work because, you know, it's a really hard time in, in every woman's life when their kids go. It just, it's a crisis time. So for me to have gotten that call at that time was such a blessing, and um, and I have really enjoyed being back in in of recent years, I like working for Frank Valentini. He's our producer. He's a very nice guy. Even though he gets a terrible rap in social media, he really is a nice guy. So, and it's a nicer set because he's a nice guy. So, um, so I've had fun.
1: Well, the other th- the two things I want to talk to you about before I let you get out of here is you're an anomaly when it comes to stars, be it music, actors, whatever. The fact that you've had your marriage last over 30 years, I mean, you've been, you know, you've been, and the not only fact that you are an actress that's been married to the same person for 30 years, since 1980, 31 years, I guess, to be exact, but you're married to another actor and Jonathan Frank. So I mean, that's, that is so unusual. And, and I'm sure people ask you all the time, you know, what's the secret to marriage? But I want to be more specific. What's the secret to celebrity marriage?
2: <laughs> uh, not quitting.
1: Not right? quitting, okay.
2: It's not quitting out of it. Okay, so there's going to be some years that are really awful, and you feel like maybe you should. But, you know, that's what my grandma said to me when I was getting married. She said, you've got to be willing to have a couple of really bad years. <laughs> 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 and, you know, that makes sense. Because that's the, that's the truth. That's the truth of it. We are all going to hit these walls in our marriage. I don't know that many people who just say every moment was bliss. I mean, my hat's off to him if that's the truth. But the truth is, you know, it's hard sometimes. And not giving up is the way to have 31 years.
1: I mean, 31 years, like I said, I mean, marriage is one thing. But to do it in the public eye to another person in the field, that's, that is such a unicorn-type marriage. It just things like that just don't last.
2: I know. Well, I, that's not necessarily true. There's Anne Bancroft and um oh yeah. god help me out but
1: Oh, uh, Mel Brooks? <laughs> yes.
2: Yeah. I mean, they had a very very long marriage. There's are they're, they're out there, you know, Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. They're out there. It's it's just uh I don't know. I think we've we both come from similar backgrounds um and I think that is important. You know, we both come from sort of a lower middle class background. So we realize how lucky we are in many ways and we enjoy it and we laugh a lot. I think being able to uh, have that sense of humor and that friendship is huge, you know, because that's what you end up with.
1: Well, Jenny Francis, again, thank you so very much. I mean, you've been delightful. I mean, just talking about everything from your personal life to this whole thing going on with Nutrisystem and the weight loss and you know, being a 13-year-old girl thrust in the public eye. I mean, it's really, really kind of you to uh, to come forth like this and be able to talk about it. And I think very a lot of people are very interested in what you've been able to deal with and what you've been able to overcome. So, again, thank you so much for joining us.
2: It is my pleasure. Nobody's going to be helped at all if I pretend, right?
1: That's ex- that's exactly right. Right. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. All, all right, right.
2: Well, thank you. I enjoyed it.
1: All right. Welcome back to Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. And Valentine's Day was just a couple of weeks ago. And it is widely known in the male community. I'm going to take you behind the curtain a little bit. Men loathe. Valentine's Day. They think it's a scam. They think it's a gimmick. They think it was something created by a card company to specifically and purposely to buy a card saying, hey, we like you, we love you, be my Valentine. But it has definitely gone over the top. Men feel overwhelmingly obligated to do something for their partner on that one specific day. And there's a new study out that says men are more inclined than women to spend money on gifts, dining, and entertainment for their partner on Valentine's Day. The average man plans to spend $339 on average on their spouse or partner. But women say they will only spend about $64. That's the scam. That's it in a nutshell. And more times than not, the crappy gifts women buy men, you just want to go, you know what, just save the time, save the effort. Keep the tie to yourself. You know what, don't even worry about buying a tie. Don't worry about buying me boxer shorts. It's awful. But the funny thing is, men expect their partner to spend about $211 on them compared to just $154 that women expect men to spend on them. I mean, it is absolutely sad that these things are going on. Think about this. You're a guy and she usually only spends $64 on you on average for Valentine's Day. You're a guy and she only on average spends about $64 on you on Valentine's Day. Yet, you expect her to spend at least three times as much, almost four times as much. And the women are like, all right, yeah, we appreciate you spending over $300 on us, but we only expect you to spend $150 on us. 69% of Americans spent money on their Valentines to mark the occasion. And on average, they spend about 200 bucks. Ugh. Younger millennials about ages 23 to 29 are most likely to spend money and expect their partners to spend money on them as well for Valentine's Day. On average, they will spend about $266, according to this all brand new study. So people who've been together for less than two years are most likely to spend money on their significant other, about 85% of us. And they also expect their partner to spend money on them, about 72%. But here's what I find extremely interesting. Northeasterners, northerners, are less likely to spend money on Valentine's Day, about 60%, compared to Southerners at 74%. Now, I have a theory for that. and That's because, you know, Northerners are crusty and tend to be unemotional. And when you're on the subway, you don't look at each other in the eye. You just keep your head down and keep walking. Whereas in the South, everyone's friendly and they feel like it's the gentlemanly thing to do. And if you pass someone on a country road, even if you don't know them, they just wave at you. That's the difference between the North and the South. In the South, you've got chivalry. And in the Northeast, you've got forget about it. That's what you've got. So only about 50% of the people in the North expect their partner to spend money on them. But in the South, it's a little bit higher. 68% of Southerners expect their partners to spend money on them. But the fact that the average man will spend about $339 on their spouse or partner, while women will only spend $64 is ridiculous. Like, seriously. And here's what's worse. A lot of times women will use sex as their Valentine's Day gift. No, 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 no. no. The man expects sex anyway on Valentine's Day. Don't be using that as a gift. Get that out of here. It's not a gift if I get to do it three days later or two days later or the next day and throughout the rest of the year and throughout eternity. That's not a gift. That's not a special occasion. Get the hell out of here. Don't be buying a negligee or a nightie at your favorite boutique. Go, oh, look what I got you for Valentine's Day party in the bedroom. No, I don't wanna see rose petals on the bed or on the floor. I don't wanna see any of that. That should be an average Friday night. How about put a little effort into it? As Bill Murray once said in Caddyshack, hey, Llama, how about a little something for the effort? By the way, if you have a Valentine's Day experience or a celebration, generally those celebrations include chocolate, diamonds or roses or fine dining, champagne, and that will set someone back about 617 bucks. Now, granted, if it's a special occasion and maybe your first Valentine's Day, that's fine. Whatever. Here's the way you should probably handle the Valentine's Day. Do what you need to do the very first time you're with someone. Let me tell you something. If you give me like some crappy tie or show up wearing a negligee at the front door, the value of your gift will decrease significantly going forward until you actually put a little effort into it yourself. Until then, here's a card. Here's maybe a box of chocolates and a flower. Have fun. All right, once again, I want to thank everyone for listening to this edition of Off the Beat with Brett Jensen. Be sure to follow me on Twitter at Brett underscore Jensen. That's J E N S E N. And I look forward to doing this all over again with you guys real soon.
0: Monday, it's a new episode of All Rise.